welcome to Eggshell Transformations, a podcast for intense people. My name is Imi, and I'm here with you on a journey. Hi everyone, hi again. Today we talk about the minimalist life and the FIRE movement, financial independence, retire early. Gab and I talked about topics such as financial freedom, escaping from the bind of capitalism, the minimalist life, FIRE for families and personal freedom. He shared his unique approach to finance and personal freedom, including his definition of the barista FIRE. We also talked about how minimalism and essentialism overlap and how that could work even for families. In the later part of our discussion, he offered tips and strategies for overcoming procrastination, finding joy without spending money, surrounding ourselves with like-minded people, and he taught us how to set goals, practice self-discipline, and be true to ourselves. And he shared very abundantly and freely a lot of his own productivity and mental strategies. And I think you might get a lot from this if you also want to live a free and perhaps not so conventional life. Thank you for agreeing to speak with me. Um, I feel very surreal right now seeing you in flesh because I have been binging your content for the last few days. And I've really enjoyed how real you are, how practical you are. And although we will talk about frugal living, you're not frugal at all in so freely giving away suggestions and advice. And so my podcast and YouTube channel, increasingly, I work with people who want to walk a path that is slightly outside of the convention. I work with people who are interested in optimizing their potential, optimizing their lives. And I do know that a lot of them are independent thinkers who are very much drawn to freedom and independence. So I think, you know, there's so much we can talk about. And given the economy the way it is, there are lots that we can discuss about capitalism, the American race, the, the ideals, minimalism. And I know you have a very unique approach to finance and personal freedom, which yeah, I can't wait to jump in. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for uh, for having me on the show. And, and yeah, I think there's a lot of people who are going through uh, a lot of the same, same struggles that both of us talk about. So uh, looking mm. forward to talking about it. Yay, let's jump in. I've been getting all the feedback to say I um, interrupt my guests too much. So I need to reflect on that and stop myself. I think I do that when I'm very excited. But oh my God, yes, I understand. And I'm like... And also because I see this as more like a conversation rather than an interview. But I'll be more aware of that. Sorry, audience. So let's start. I think today I am particularly eager into diving deeper into, yeah, like I said, your experience as an unconventional minimalist and how authenticity um, can thrive in a society that sometimes values conformity over celebrating individual paths. So let's start a bit about you. Obviously, there are so many things you can tell us about yourself, so feel free. But I might start with one question that are on people's mind. When did you quit your job and why? How did it happen? Yeah, so I quit my, my day job like um, three years ago now or something like that. Um, so pretty much I got into this idea of financial independence and early retirement. I learned about it when I was like, 18-ish, uh, and then really started taking it seriously in my, my early 20s. Um, and I ended up buying a couple of rental properties, and I was working like three different jobs, and YouTube being one of them. Um, and the, the rentals eventually allowed me to leave my job when I was 24. And then 24? YouTube, as I put more time into it. Yep. 24, 2-4. Well, yeah, but like... <laughs> This, this kind of comes back to the, the unconventional lifestyle. Like um, we were living extremely frugally. It was me and my wife. Um, she she also left her job um, like a couple months after I did. Um, and it was because we were living frugally. We were living for free with house hacking uh, and then making you know a little bit of money with uh, YouTube and some other things. So it wasn't like total financial freedom, like living in pizza, but it was. 
um, you know, but we were able to do that and just work one or two days a week and have that cover all of the expenses type of deal. I know you have a unique approach to fire as well, which we will come to talk about. But retire, or quitting your job anyway at 24 is impressive. And I think that is just a new American dream for many people. So what is your definition of financial freedom, which is a hot topic these days? I mean, like conventional financial freedom would be having, I would think, enough money that you could live off that money indefinitely. But for me, um, or, or like enough invested that you could live off the, the returns indefinitely. But for me, there's this idea of barista fire, which I'm super like into, which is if you can make enough off a couple investments, whether it's a stock market, a business, you or, um, you know, real estate, whatever it is, then you can work a couple of days a week, make $20,000, a year, and that will sustain you for the rest of your life. You can do something you love, even if it doesn't make money and or make a lot of money you know and you can do that and that is um for me kind of like the dream like i don't want to never work again because i get bored if i like i if i take one day off of like creating something i like get really bored which is uh -huh. uh, a different struggle in and of itself like i still work but it's because i love doing it so much and i think that's the goal is to have something that like i look forward to mondays i don't like the weekends as much because i don't i try not to work on them um, so I think that's my my dream and like being able to travel. We traveled for a month this year through Europe and did a couple other trips. And it's like having that freedom to work from anywhere, doing something that you love is like the ultimate dream for me, more than having four million dollars in the bank and being able to live off of it in depth. Because there's the lean fire hurdle, the fat fire and the barista. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Barista fire. Mm. And how does that tie into by the way, the book Essentialism, big time fan, huge favorite. And I think you have this perspective of combining minimalism with essentialism to achieve your retirement goal. So is that what you've just explained there? That's basically your model. I mean, kind of like as I got, I was originally into the fire movement. Mm. Um, and as I got more into minimalism, I realized that they overlap so much because the fire movement is this idea of lowering your expenses and cutting out everything that you can so you can focus on reaching freedom as soon as possible and this idea of minimalism is super simple where uh or, or super similar where you're trying to cut out all the non-essential stuff in your life so you have time and money to do the things that you want to do do you want to like never miss your kids soccer games do you want to have more freedoms like go for walks and enjoy your life and that all comes from like, you have to say no to a bunch of stuff in order to say yes to other things. Because every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. Yeah. And people just say yes indiscriminately to everything in their lives. Mm. So they really did come together for me and really helped me realize that um, we wanted to both be out of our jobs and enjoy like working from home and doing stuff so we could spend time with our kids. We wanted to have a nice place to live. Um, and we we've been able to do those because we we cut out maybe a bunch of things over the past couple of years that most people wouldn't even like think of doing uh, in order to have that lifestyle now that we do have uh, a little girl we're able to spend time with her and do all those things because we put in time up front uh to kind of build that lifestyle which most people would rather watch tv at night instead of like work an extra business <laughs> at night that would eventually maybe give them freedom or invest in something that's scary that might eventually give them freedom but it also you know could go bad so uh, I think it's willing to take those trade-offs, um, you know, for delayed gratification. Deal. That makes really good sense. Although I think for many people, the idea of being a parent yet living so lean could be quite unthinkable and scary. Like, what about childcare? What about this and that? But you somehow made it work. Yeah. Well, I mean, we don't have to pay for childcare because my wife exactly. doesn't work, and I'm home. Like, um. You know, I, I'm just just upstairs working a couple hours a day. They're they're downstairs like baking right now. So, um, I don't know. Like a lot of people just work to pay for childcare and like stuff like that and um and insurance and. And I think what that highlights is a lot of things we think we must spend on are actually man-made constructs. Like they have mm -hmm. to go to piano lessons. Sorry, I'm Asian. When actually. If you really think about it, maybe a lot of that is not necessary. Yeah, and it's also people have become, 
it, it again goes back to the saying, yes, there, there are these um, things with kids where you like your kids gone all day and then you pick them up and you bring them to a soccer practice or piano lessons or whatever. And then their days are just filled from morning till night with stuff, doing stuff, doing stuff, doing stuff. And like, when do you have the time to just play together, to cook, to enjoy dinner together, to like live a normal life? And that's something that we're, we're trying to get a get away from you know like trying to find that balance which is you know it's hard um but you, you don't need to do everything and your kids don't need to do everything and your kids like disney world might be cool but also like my daughter loves watching the trash truck go by it's like the highlight of her life and you know like you can find joy in so many things without spending money mm. that reminds me of ac20 rules where unknowingly we actually get 80% of the benefits from 20% of the stuff. Oh, that really applies to my wardrobe. I just always just ended up picking the, t- the two most comfortable things and the rest of the fantasy clothing just lies in the back. Mm. And I think what you said about the doing, doing, doing also ties into... It's a very capitalist, maybe American dream values. So can you talk a bit about how... Does your current lifestyle contrast to that, what most people chase or do, that kind of capitalist corporate race, the leather? Yeah, so um, for me, I'm trying to, like we're right now, we're having a no-spend month. That's something most people don't do, where we're not buying anything, but well, we're like buying food and gas and like nothing else pretty much. okay so when i binge your youtube content i heard about the no spend day and i was attempting that for myself and failed and now we're talking about a no spend week sorry month well you no month, month. We, we do this a couple yeah we do this a couple times a year but like it's it's not like 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 you live your life like it, you can get the necessities like food yeah and, yeah, and gas and stuff like that but no amazon no going to the, like just don't even walk in a store like really break a lot of those habits mm. um and i forget what the original question was but for me uh this really helps us realize that like we, this stuff that we're most people spend their lives for we see an average of ten thousand ads per day mm. and then we buy all the stuff because we're programmed to do this we're programmed to be consumers and when you can break away from that by taking maybe a no spend month or whatever then you can realize that this stuff added nothing to my life. Was I any less happy this month where I didn't buy anything as opposed to last month where I spent, you know, $500 on random crap that I don't even remember what I bought last month. Like my happiness level level did not change at all. So uh, it's a really good like practice to like practice not doing the normal stuff, I guess. That is amazing. That is amazing. I always try, yeah, I attempt a minimalist lifestyle myself. And I'm a, I'm not a survivalist, but I quite like having surplus of some one thing that I like a lot. Like for instance, I like a shirt. I buy ten of it and I stock up and like like having the secure. But then that kind of does create clutter somehow. And then I read in a book, what's his name? It's a Japanese guy. Um, he said to think about the shops as your, what is it called in English? Like, like a storage. So this, the mm-hmm. shop, the world is your storage. So you can always go and grab stuff, but you don't have to have them stock at home. Um, try to practice that. But thank you for sharing that. How far in are you in your month? I mean, we're we're like halfway through right now. I don't know what the date is, actually. <laughs> it's the 15th. So we're like yes, almost exactly oh my halfway God, through yes. uh, the month. Yeah. And uh, we'll probably do, we usually do one on January as well. So. Um, we'll be able to do a little bit during Christmas, but we're taking November and January to to try to not spend as as much as possible. Well, you're looking very. Uh, but I think like, mm. yeah, I, I think like what you talked about with um with with the clothes, like most people wear twenty percent of their clothes eighty percent of the time, or even like ten percent, ninety percent, which is uh, this this idea of the ninety percent rule from the book Essentialism. And I found that as well. Like I literally have certain shirts that I wear every single day and um, the rest of them are just like, oh yeah, I I like the idea of that one, but you never actually wear it. So like you just get rid of those and you put them in a box then and you like put it away for a couple months and then go back to it. And you might realize like I never even 
for those and then you can just donate them and you always have these stuff where just in case I grow, I, I shrink, it's suddenly becomes, you know, a different climate here or whatever it is, or I, I change my taste. But you can always go back and get that stuff. Like it's generally not that big of a deal. You know, so that's something that like have all these just in case things. So can you say more about the ninety ten? I don't think many people are familiar with that. Yeah, the the ninety ten rule is, is very similar to the eighty twenty rule. It's just um uh from the book Essentialism, he he kind of says it's kind of that next level where it's not even eighty twenty, it's ninety ten. Um and it's also there's a couple of different ways to use this. So one might be if something's not a ninety or above, you you don't buy it. So if you don't absolutely love this, it's gonna be your favorite shirt that you've ever worn in your entire life, then you don't buy it. And if you after if you actually follow that rule, every shirt that you own will be the best shirt you've ever had and you love wearing it. And you can be as happy as possible because you spent way less stuff, way less money, way less stuff, and you have your favorites of everything in your entire house. Yes. That's a good way to live life. And most people see it as a bad way to live life. I don't get it. Um, and then also if somebody invites you to something and you don't really want to do it, but our default is to say yes to everything. And that's how we get cluttered schedules and we're busy and we mm -hmm. can't even sleep. Um, it's not a 90 or above. Say no. Like it's not that big of a deal. Practice saying no. Have that be the default. Unless there's a, an amazing reason to say yes to something, then don't do it. And that's how you like actually get control back over your life. You have to say no to some good things in order to say yes to some great things, you know? You heard of the Derek Silvers? If it's not a hell yes, then it's a no. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's that same kind of idea, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love it, love it. Thank you for sharing that. Well, speaking of that book, is that your biggest takeaway from it? Or are there any nuggets that you can, that rings a bell? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that was one of my biggest takeaways that I use a lot because there's so many different ways you can use that mm -hmm. with work, with with everything. Um, and then, yeah, just this idea of like less but better, mm -hmm. uh, which is which is kind of that same approach where I have one jacket that I own and I've had it for a couple of years and it was a little bit more expensive jacket, but it's, uh, is it a great jacket? And I don't need five different options. I just need yeah. one that is less but better and it's more simple. But I never have to think about what jacket to wear that decision's made for me because I made a choice once that makes that decision to take away a thousand decisions in the future. Mm. So um, I just kind of like that idea of like, how can I do something less but better? Yeah. And, mm. I don't know. and I think we can apply that to many things like human relationships or business and activities and many, many other things. Mm. Mm. Less but better. I work a lot with people actually who feel either because of their childhood or their family conditioning feel very guilty whenever they spend money on themselves and sometimes when I talk about minimalism or as you call it frugalism I don't want it to become another guilt trip for themselves. Do you have any advice for someone when they are treating themselves kindly maybe spending on memories and experience and yet still feel very guilty yeah so i had this for a really long time because um yeah like there was years where like we probably went out to dinner three times a year and stuff like that we were spending no money because we wanted financial freedom like so bad um and that was and then when it actually came to spending money over the past couple of years i've been trying to get better at this and like mm -hmm. actually focusing on it um i i was feeling super guilty about it and i'm like this is a waste. We don't really need this. And I think th this idea of, so generally entertainment and fun is about 5% of most people's budget or it should be. Um, and most people start with cutting that 5%. Like, all right, I'm going to stop going out to dinner and that's how I'm going to start saving money. I'm going to stop going to the movies and stop buying clothes. That's how I'm going to start saving money. Whatever your fun thing is, that should be the last thing that we cut. Oh. And I've, I've kind of been realizing this i've been like you know it's okay to spend some money on yourself and just uh enjoy some things not like excessively but it shouldn't be the first thing that we cut is our own happiness and entertainment and joy like unless it's like completely wasteful um you can have a lot of fun without spending any money but if there's something that you really enjoy if you enjoy having like i have high quality coffee that's like three times more than from the the store that i make at home still so it's still cheaper than actually buy now but 
I really enjoy that. So I'm okay with spending a dollar a day on coffee when I could spend, you know, 27 cents a day on coffee. Like I'm okay with some things like that, or I'm okay with spending a lot of money to go on vacation and make memories that are going to be really cool. Um, well, we can still do that cheaper than, than most people can. Uh, we can still like enjoy that. So yeah, just, just realizing that it's okay to spend that little bit, but really focus on if you can, your main three expenses are going to be your housing, your transportation and your food. So if you can cut all of those, um, which we've done, we, we house hacks, we live like at half the price that most people do. And we live for free for many years, our transportation, uh, we do something called car hacking where pretty much you buy older and used cars. And then uh, if you sell them every couple of years, it's pretty much exactly what you paid for them. And you just cycle through cars that didn't really cost you anything. Uh, and then our food, we cook at home and, you know, make cheaper stuff at home, then we can spend money on our entertainment without even having to worry about it because that doesn't really make an impact when you're saving thousands of dollars a month on the other stuff. A couple hundred on that stuff doesn't really matter. Mm. I, I don't even know where to start. I, I guess we can talk forever about your house hacking and car hacking, but I think people will go to your channel for details on those. The central message here is really... It's actually it's a, it's a ninety ten again. You pick what you can cut. Like for me, I try to cut down on food. That makes me feel so miserable, and I realize that it's just I cannot compromise on that. I just love going to the supermarket. The trip itself is so sacred for me. <laughs> Walking to the supermarkets and being surrounded by color and scents. That's like sacred. So, but but I guess the central message is we need to figure out what. Is it that we cannot compromise? I mean, me and you can both compromise on our wardrobe, but maybe some people have a lot of fun. Maybe they're a fashionista, so that's what they can't compromise on, but maybe they can cut on other things. But you do make a good point that most people spend the most on their housing and transport and food. And if we can cut one of those bigger things, then the smaller pebbles we can enjoy without too much guilt. Hmm. Well, one of the biggest theme I work with people on, especially recently, uh, is exist or are existential crisis or midlife crisis, where they reach a certain point in their lives and then they feel like they haven't been actually living their lives. So, can you expand on the idea that many of the, us have betrayed our life for money, or we, people get into the trap of earning and riding the treadmill? You know, you, you said it really well in your videos to say, well, we work so much and then we're so tired and exhausted. And then we come back, we just watch telly, do something mind-numbing or self-soothing to recharge. And then we forget about the dreams. And so many people say, well, when I was younger, I really wanted to be an artist or a writer. But now I'm so tired, I can't even do it anymore. And then at some point, they buy this big house, they have kids, and it becomes impossible to drop it. Mm. So yeah, how do people betray their life for money? It sounds really sad. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's extremely common. We spend the best years of our lives, you know, the, the best time of every day working for money. Um, mm -hmm. And most people are stressed about money. Um, there's a, a stat that like 42% of people have had like panic attacks or cried in the past 30 days because of their finances. Um, so it's something that's super important and it's super stressful for people. And then they, they like you talked about, they have this lifestyle inflation where they get the, a raise and they get a bigger house and they get another raise and they get a nicer car and they get another raise. And they, you know, like they just do private school instead of public and they go through this thing. And I think you almost have to come to that point where you do have a crisis and you realize what is important to me. Is it important that I'm, I have time to spend with my kids and I get to do something that I love every day? Or is it important to have this nice house? Because that's a huge step to move to a smaller house. But if it saves you, you know, 20% on your budget and you can take one day off a week, that is the exact same. Um, then is that a trade that you're willing to make? Is it worth getting rid of that new car that you really like and going back mm -hmm. to a cheaper, older car? Um, so kind of getting to that point where, yes, you might have screwed up, but you can also go from like people have gone from really bad mm -hmm. situations to financial freedom in under 10 years. Most people can do it, but most people will not do it because they're not willing to make those big things. It's not like little changes. It's are you willing to change your life in order to change your life? And most people 
aren't they're tired and when you are tired you're on the couch you're doing all that stuff the thing that really helped me because i was doing that i was working full-time i had two part-time jobs and i was running a youtube channel while renovating a house so like i was just waking up working and then like falling asleep like at the end of the day for years but i was reading books like in the car i was listening to them on audible i was watching youtube videos i was like keeping myself inspired and keeping that end goal in mind of like when i have kids i will not be doing this i guarantee you that and it just took a couple of years of like extreme sacrifice to be have like a life where when people ask me how my week are is i like always feel guilty because i'm like ah you know i worked a little bit and we, we went to the park and uh i don't remember what else i did that's you know that was most of my week like it was super chill and like you feel guilty about that but it was because i put in all the stuff that nobody else is willing to do so are you to the point where you want to have that type of lifestyle and if, if you are then like mm -hmm. you have to make sacrifices or you just you won't you know so it's uh, also it's, it's very common to do that. it's also about seeing wealth differently i feel as in, in the narrative that you've just put out so in a way you're proud of the time and freedom and the time spent with your kids that you have but you're not necessarily flaunting your wealth you know you're proud prideful not because of the number in your bank accounts but because of the life that you're living and the life energy that you have i don't know if you've read the book die with zero um yeah, yeah which talks about the life energy that you have and what you have now rather than a pseudo number that you used to brag yeah i think yeah a lot of people like the, the house the car the, the number of whatever money that they have is like that's their identity you know in the bank um yeah exactly like they they, they need this uh, this big chunk of money or this really nice house in order to show off that they're successful but when you when you don't care what other people think about you like that that's a huge step of this is mm -hmm. it's just not really caring too much um which what which might take a while um but but yeah i think a lot of it just comes down to like the, the pressure of everybody else is doing this so i have to do this mm, yes which we will talk about which is how do you live a non-conformist and non-mainstream life and be okay with that but yeah i think ultimately it would be amazing if we can get to a point where we don't care about what's other things and life is not about proving who we are to others what what is the quote that you do to buy things we don't want to impress people we don't respect there's this classic quote that yeah you you, you uh you buy <laughs> things with money you don't have to impress people you don't even like or something thank like you that. exactly exactly so for people i mean one more thing to, to add i don't think i would think say those people have screwed up i think you know at different points in your life you make the choices in the best way you can with the limited resources and information mm -hmm. you had Maybe it's your parents' story. Maybe it's what the teachers tell you. But then now you've got, you know, they've listened to this episode or they have exposed themselves to newer sets of values. Hopefully they can also make the change. So how would you suggest someone who feels stuck like that to rediscover some actual sources of joy that they can enjoy without money? And how do they find their, like, beginner's mind <laughs> back? Where do we start? Yeah, I think I, I like what you mentioned that, yeah, they didn't necessarily screw up. Maybe you've never heard of this idea. If you've never heard of this idea of minimalism, the fire movement, then how could you follow it? Like, you know, like I was lucky that I read this book that my mom recommended to me early. And that's why I, I like, so if I hadn't read that book, this other stuff would have happened. Um, so I did get lucky that way. And some other people haven't. Was it Rich, um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad that your mom recommended? Yeah, that was the first one, and now I'm like a couple hundred books later. Like, but that one led to another book, which led to another yeah. book, which led to podcasts, YouTube channels, and all this stuff. Um, so I think the the first step that I kind of did was brainwashing myself. Like, surround yourself with this uh, all the knowledge that you'll need, and as you see, like that just makes so much sense when you read this book. And you're like, that's this idea makes so much sense when I first read Essentialism and Rich Dad Poor Dad and Set for Life and uh four hour work week and all these different things i'm like why am i not doing this stuff it works these people's lives have been changed like it, it like you get inspired by this stuff and you continue reading and learning and that's a, a trait of most successful people that i've ever met it's like they're lifetime learners even when they're billionaires they're lifetime learners and that's what leads to a lot of their happiness once they get to a certain point of money they realize that money was not 
the the point like they're like oh well i'm now you know worth x amount of money and that doesn't make me happy at all so it, it's this i think growth and learning really makes you happy mm. and that's what i really enjoy that's why uh for most of this year i've been reading like a book a week and i got away from reading for a while and going back to reading consistently every day and listening to audiobooks and stuff has really just it just makes me happier and then also like just taking time to like like when's the last time you actually like tasted what your coffee tasted like? Like taking some time to slow down and be like, what does this food taste like? What does this coffee taste like? Kind of makes you realize that you can get enjoyment out of almost everything when you slow down a little bit and you take time to focus on what what's actually important, what actually brings me joy, instead of just always trying to rush to get to the next task, the next thing. Oh, I gotta gotta finish this so I can make food, and then I gotta eat food as fast as I can so I can leave, and then I gotta get there as fast as I can so I can start the next thing, and then I gotta do and uh, trying to trying to slow down a little bit uh, has really helped me. Thank you for sharing that. I it reminds me of a time where I got into that trap, and then like it became. I love my morning coffee or chocolate time. My dentist complained a lot, but I, like oh my god, I reached a point where I was so stressed for time. I'll be on my stationary bike drinking the coffee whilst watching a show to learn Japanese, doing three things at the same time without enjoying any of it. And it feels ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, I can already imagine people, especially, you know, they might say, oh, it's easy for you in your young age. I'm like now in my 50s. I've got kids, people who rely on me. My wife doesn't work. What about insurance? If I quit my job, there's no insurance. This is America. Uh, my kids needs me. Um, and everyone needs me to have a stable job my parents will worry they'll be disappointed in me is there any wise words you can say to that if any so like i don't want to speak for anybody else um but i'm not just recommending like people just leave their jobs with no plans um oh. like this might involve like you take those nights and weekends and you build another source of income that can eventually replace your job which might take years to build anybody can start a business and that's how most millionaires are made is starting their own businesses um or investing in, in real estate it's a huge way people build wealth um there's a million different paths you can take but most people don't really want to do that so um you know it, and also like if, if people do judge you or whatever if you're worried about that then i wouldn't you know that that's that's its own <laughs> its own struggle like people are going to think you're weird if you do anything that's unconventional and if you do something like there's this quote that I think was in the four hour work week that everything popular is wrong. And that's like how I live my life. Just like if everybody's doing that, then I'm just going to assume that is not the best way to do it. And it's probably just really a dumb way to do it. So I'm going to try something else. And that's going to be a very small majority, like a very small minority of people who are going to live their lives this way. Not everybody's going to do this stuff. Not everybody's going to be a YouTuber, a podcaster, a business owner, an investor. Um, but if you do, then those people generally have kind of cool, non-conventional lives. Um, mm. so, yeah, I don't know. There are the arguments that, number one, there's no, some people say that there's no such thing as a passive income. And then some other people say, well, surely not everyone gets to be an entrepreneur, enjoy your YouTube lifestyle. Some people get to work in a job. Otherwise, who would work in a job? What would you say to that? I mean... First of all, there, like there is passive income. If you look at like dividend stocks, like you put money in and then it pays you dividends. That's pretty passive. Um, and there, there's other things like that where you can build a business for five years and then hire people to do every single aspect of it. And then you, you'll, you'll make money while you sleep. Or there's this idea of semi passive income, which is kind of YouTube where I've, I've built videos for the past five years and I could take the next year off and I could still make a decent amount of money um, right. because that's going to pay me while I sleep. I make money day and night. Uh, it's obviously going to die off quite a lot if I stop posting, but it's this, it's not necessarily hundred percent passive, but it's way more passive than showing up somewhere eight hours a day. You know, um, if I can work one day a week and still keep this, this machine running, then um, that that's kind of my more idea of realistic passive income. I like that because it's uh, not so uh, black and white. It's not completely passive, like you're just lying there, but it's not as active as a mm. conventional job. Cool. 
So yeah, we're yeah. talking a lot about going against the mainstreams. Mm. What are some more other challenges you can imagine? Actually, I think, do you think it creates difficulties in friendships and relationships when you have a set of values that are quite different from the mainstream? Um, it, it hasn't really for me, like it probably would for some people, but my family has been super supportive. And um, like when I got my first rental, I got into all this stuff. My brother did the same thing. And now him and his wife have both left their jobs and they're just doing their own little side business a couple of days a week. And they have a two kids now and they're just like literally just home all the time. So like, I think also once people realize that all this stuff that like it really worked, there's thousands and hundreds of thousands of people who have done this type of lifestyle where you're not like a hundred percent like retired, but you're just living super unconventionally. Um, and for us, it leads to a lot more happiness, not for everybody probably. Um, but if, if you're really convicted in that lifestyle, then like, it, it might cause some problems where like we don't we're not doing christmas gifts because uh, we just don't want to buy each other a bunch of crap like we'll do a, a events with you we'll go somewhere we'll have an experience but um i don't know you have to you have to it all comes back to like you got to do what's right for you and if people are upset or whatever it's like uh, you can't you can't change anybody else you can change yourself and mm. you can do what's right for you and your family and if people judge you for that then like they're probably not people you want in your life anyway so who cares mm. Yes, I think some people will see that as being irresponsible, but I think there's such a fine line between uh, codependency and caring too much for, like, living, what I'm trying to say, authenticity, you know, and being not codependent, and that's not always irresponsible, it's not like you're hurting anyone. Mm. So let's... Finally, I mean, I'm also quite impressed with a lot of very handy creativity and productivity hacks you shared in your channel. What's your favorite productivity mental strategy or actual things that you do, or maybe some of your favorites can you share? Yeah, so probably my favorite thing when I am procrastinating in order to like force myself to actually start doing something is to actually set a timer for like 15 minutes, 60 minutes, however long I think the task should take. And then I have that long to finish the task or I just like don't get to do it. So if I have to shoot a video and I'm like procrastinating, I'm like, oh, I got to like, maybe it's not right. Yeah, I got to re rework the script. I'm like, here's a timer for an hour. If I don't do it, I need to just delete everything that I've done and I'm quitting YouTube. No. And when you have that type of pressure, you can, but you can do amazing stuff in an hour if you have that type of pressure and you stop procrastinating. So like whatever it is, whether it's laundry or something else and you're having trouble procrastinating, set a timer for 15 minutes. And if you don't do it, chuck it outside and you're, you're going to do it in 15 minutes. I guarantee you, you'll figure it out. And that's that idea of Parkinson law. I forgot what the name is. The law. Yeah. Parkinson's Parkinson law where law. stuff will give the amount of time. Yes. That uh, one. Like the amount of time you have the work will fill that time. So yeah. lower your time constraints and you will be like a billion times more productive. Ah, oh, I, I admire that. I have a little post-it note that says the Parkinson law is real on my kitchen because I always spent too much time playing in the 100%. kitchen, but it never works for me. I just ended up in this indulgent treadmill. But Well, it tries, try setting a timer on your phone or something that's like I physical do. and then like lock it somewhere. Oh, I you do? do. For I me, have timers works. and I keep snoozing it. <laughs> it's like, time's up. And then I snooze it. Time's up. It's a lot. Life is a long struggle. To, maybe this is where, like, maybe the accountability partner or something else will come in. Where, like, if I don't do this in an hour, text me and I'll send you a hundred dollars. If I don't do this in the next hour, if you do that, like, you won't have. If if you if it's a good friend, they'll demand a hundred dollars from you, and you'll do that because you don't want to spend a hundred dollars. You know, something like that. Where people yeah, like real constraints. Yeah, then because otherwise it's just like a wish. But if you have something that's real, then I don't know. It, it yeah. helps me. Like even like YouTube, I've never missed a, an upload like on a week, just because I, I I've kind of made it so much of a a rule and a habit that if I miss one, I'm gonna quit. That I've never missed one, and it's not even a struggle because I just made that such a rule, you know. And uh, a few things for something like that is you can set stuff on your phone that it'll 
Um, there's different apps you can get or different things where you can have it shut off at a certain time or have it go grayscale at a certain time. Um, I if, if waking's up, if waking up, okay, well, I don't know then. If waking up is a problem and you hit snooze, um, mm. I put my phone on the other side of the room, so I have to walk out of my room in order to yeah. turn my alarm off. And then I'm like, well, I'm already out here, so I might as well just like go on with my day. So like, yeah, just yeah. like trying to annoy yourself into doing stuff, making it really annoying to not do it. I... Do you have any ideas on creative procrastination? Like, I think for many people, it's got something to do with perfectionism. Like, it's not good enough. I need to edit it. Oh, I can't start. But usually, my advice for people is if you start by doing one minute a day or five minutes. Usually expands because once you start, you get into the flow. Do you, would you have any other? Because you are very, very prolific creatively. Yeah, I would say um, there's this idea of the two minute rule, which is from kind of like minimalism, where you commit to two minutes uh, of something. So if you want to go to the gym, you commit to yeah. putting on your shoes, going out to the car, and then you can choose to go to the gym or not. But if you get that far, you're probably going to continue. Same thing with shooting, where I'll, um, you know, I'll, I'll kind of commit to like, all right, it went this time it happens, I have to start shooting and then I can stop any time. But once you start, you just kind of keep going. So it's just that first bit that's the hardest. And if you play a song and then after the song is over, you, you just hit play and then you sit there and stare, you'll eventually start doing something. Mm -hmm. uh, so kind of just like, it comes back to like tricking itself. I'm not very smart, but like if I can trick myself into starting. It works. And then I also like this idea of like constraints. So whether it's the time constraint that I talked about or um, like when I'm shooting a YouTube video, I will take the camera and I'll say, I'm not allowed to use a tripod for this. So that's going to force me to use creative angles. I'm going to put it under the couch. I'm going to put it in the refrigerator. I'm going to put it here with a coffee cup underneath it. I'm going to use these constraints in order to force creativity. Um, and it makes like a unique style or this time I'm going to hold it every time. This time I'm going to put in as many transitions as I can. What are those things that kind of make it fun and also force you to just kind of get past it? That's that's I mean, YouTube's a little different than most people's lives. But uh, mm -hmm. if you do have constraints for something, use that to your advantage instead of it being like, oh, well, I can't do it because I only have this. Like, all right, well, how can that be your unique advantage? You know, love it. Love it. Um, how do you train yourself to not let instant gratification, which is the biggest temptation in the universe right now, run the show? Uh, I think instant gratification is something that I struggle with occasionally. Everybody struggles with. Um, but it's this idea of realizing that it doesn't really, I don't know, like every time I've, I've fallen into it, you always like, you have instant buyer's remorse you buy something and then you're like like you get the high of um whatever it is before you buy something and then after you buy it like the dopamine goes down um so there's like stuff like that i don't know like kind of rambling here let's see um really yeah you i could. don't know it's uh it's something that's taken a while and realizing if you have those big goals of whatever the big goals are, financial freedom, whatever, it kind of takes away all that instant gratification mm -hmm. of, of stuff. And it's also just practice. Like this month of not spending makes me realize all that stuff doesn't matter. And and once you, you, you train yourself to think that way by reading 50 books on it, you're like, you realize that it, it's a trick. It's all a scam, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's about yeah. what I'm hearing is, you're not rambling. I'm, I think what I'm hearing is Think think longer term about your values and what you really want to achieve, and then practice, 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 and also just brainwashing yourself by surrounding yourself with the right materials and content. I would even say like being lazy, kind of like I don't eat junk food because I don't want to feel like crap. So it's like it's like it doesn't take self control to do it because. I'm doing it for a selfish reason of I don't want to feel like crap. Mm -hmm. People, other people have the problem where they do it for the selfish reason that they want to eat this stuff now, but I'm more worried about the consequence than I, because I realize that this, it will literally be over in like a minute. This ice cream will be gone and I will feel like crap all day tomorrow. And I'm too lazy to do that. So like, I'm too selfish to allow myself to not go to the gym, to eat bad stuff, to, to spend money. Cause like, I don't, I don't want to waste money on stuff. So I don't have to work harder to earn more money and I don't want to work. Like that's what it seems like a lot. So it, it's just 
like you can use laziness and selfishness mm -hmm. to your advantage to not do stuff you don't want to do and i guess we all have our thing what might be easy for you might be really difficult for someone else so they might just have to try many different things to find what works better and i guess also it's not a black or white perfection thing you might do it sometimes you might fail sometimes but try and practice and one small win is a small win in delaying gratification yeah for sure like you don't have to be right 100 of the time just don't be wrong back to back like it's okay if you miss one day at the gym don't let that be the end of your time going to the gym just mm -hmm. make sure you never miss two times in a row or if you eat something once just don't eat it every day this week because you missed up once like don't let that throw everything off track you your face really lit up when we come to the last part where we talk about hacks and strategies and i think that's really your strength and your passion yeah no i like i i love all this stuff because like it literally changes my life when i can trick myself and and do this stuff and, and you kind of notice it happening and you see other people like oh I, I recommended this to my mom and she uses it all the time now like the for different things and it, like these are real things that actually help stuff I didn't plan to talk about it, but if you still have a few more minutes, I do want to ask something. Um, it sounds like you've got a sure. very unique family that's very supportive. Do you find it easy to find your tribe? So I'm extremely introverted. So my family has been super uh, supportive for most of the stuff that I've done, especially my wife, um, because we had this shared goal in mind. Uh, that we've been we're talking about very open stuff. Um, but when it came to finding my tribe, I don't really have many friends, yeah. uh, to be honest with you, because I like don't go out a ton. But oh, there are a five. few friends that have made <laughs> kind of mm. similar um, goals. And you know what? I also realized that I don't need, I don't know, because I'm also very introverted, so it's different than most people, but I don't need a bunch of friends i need like one or two good friends who, who kind of get me and so you don't have to find this huge tribe of people you can have a few good friends and then i also found my tribe by i was so excited about the fire movement that i started making youtube videos about it because i talked to everybody that i knew and then eventually minimalism and i kind of found this outlet of like i'm so excited about all this stuff that i'm learning and these new experiments that i'm trying and these different hacks that I can make a video about it. And that's how I kind of have my tribe is mm -hmm. I just share it with people. And maybe for everybody, it's not that, but maybe to share it with some friends and um, you can kind of create your tribe that way. I don't know. That's, that's, no, no, that's wonderful. I am also extremely introverted. And I think people don't get it sometimes because I'm really not shy. But in a social setting, I'm not shy. And obviously, we're both putting our face out here on YouTube. So people go, oh, how can you be an introvert? But I don't think they understand that introversion is not that. It's where you draw your energy from. I mean, I need 90% of my time recharging and maybe 10% of it socializing. So I also don't need a lot of friends. But I think for me, the idea of a tribe, I like your answer because it, it's not necessarily you being in a restaurant or in a party, being surrounded by lots of people. It could be virtual. For me, authenticity is just so important. So having a space where one gets to be authentic, I don't know where I'm going now, I'm rambling. <laughs> it's a big okay. milestone in finding your tribe, be it just having online conversations with people or just having a space and outlet where you get to be yourself, mm -hmm. which I think you're doing. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to i don't know like, i'm still trying to get better about like reaching out to people and having more one-on-one -on -one connections with people but mm. i also think people see this they see life on tv or instagram or wherever they see it and they see these big groups of people and i'm out with all my friends and like well i don't have a bunch of friends so does that make me a loser or whatever it's like you you don't need a bunch of friends you need like one or two friends i didn't have like a single friend for most of my life until recently so like it, and that's that's okay because maybe that means it's time to focus on yourself right now and you can eventually find these people by going to places where they are maybe if you go to a youtube channel where they are you go to an event that's for, for people who are into wine tasting and whatever and you're going to find people there who are into similar stuff like you gotta also set yourself up for some of that um, i hear you doing like other creators like this is how i find people who we're all into similar stuff we're into creating we're into improving ourselves we're into all these stuff. We've read similar books. 
Um, and that's how you find it is by putting yourself out there um, for some of these things as well. It is such an amazing feeling when I meet someone and they say, oh, you know, have you, do you do fire when you talk about something and they instantly know. It's like when we chat, right? We talked about different books like the Tim Ferriss, um, Die With Zero, and I don't have to explain it. You immediately know what I'm talking about. So clearly we are in the same, not exactly the same, but there are overlaps in the zone that we're in. And yeah, resonating with what you said, for most of my early lives, I always... You know, obviously, you know the show Friends, or maybe you're too young for that. I always watched mm-hmm. it and I got no, I very, yeah, well, actually, Big Bang Theory, too. I got so jealous of them. It's like, I'm a bit like Sheldon Cooper, like a bit of an odd bitch that's, I'm not as clever as he is, but I'm as odd and as eccentric as he is, probably. But like, he has his Amy and his like friends. Where are mine? But then now that I actually think about it, you know, the whole going out in a party, actually, if that actually happens, I'll probably get a migraine after and take a week to recover from a pool of people in a loud, noisy disco or something. So, yes, it's about claiming who you yeah. are and finding your own sweet spot. Yeah, and that comes back to not being, trying to be like everybody else. You know? Don't mm. care what other people think. Don't try to be like everybody else. Maybe you don't want to go out and party even though that seems like what you should want to do but you don't want to do it so you're like why don't i want to do it am i weird am i whatever like no i don't enjoy partying i enjoy having coffee in front of my fireplace with my daughter you know that's (laughs) all i want out of life you know so you don't have to you know want what everybody else wants necessarily yeah yeah i hope that would bring some people who is listening to this a relief that oh okay i have the permission to just be me you know however weird and eccentric that might be in someone else's eyes and I don't need to justify it to them you I'm sorry it takes up so much of you I mean I'm just really enjoying this so I lost track of time but thank you so much for giving your time to us really enjoyed this no yeah thanks for having me on I had a lot of fun I appreciate it I see that silver palette behind you is it gonna turn gold at some point I don't know I don't know how YouTube work yeah, it turns gold when I hit a million subscribers. I'm at like 400,000 now. So, pluck years. away, oh, pluck cool. away. Where do people find you? Do you have any offerings for uh, them? No, if you just go to YouTube, Gabe Bolt, I've got a bunch of videos about any any of the stuff we've talked about. I've done five videos on that subject. So if you're interested, <laughs> you can check that out. Yeah. I'll link it up in the show notes. Thank awesome. you so Appreciate much. It. All right. Well, have yeah, a wonderful day. And let's stay in touch. All right. Sounds good. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in. For more, please head to eggshelltherapy.com. There you will find more stories, articles, and resources for people just like me and you. Bye now. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Moving forwards. Never looking back Just one more foot In front of all those countless others And we're there Imagine that